Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Harper Valley PTA from 1978. The studio was April Fool's Productions. The release date was originally May 23rd in 1978 in Ohio, and it opened up in Los Angeles and New York later in the year and was released mainly as a drive-in film, and then later picked up steam on television. The running time, 100 minutes, and the rating was PG. Now, Harper Valley PTA has to be the only movie that I know of based on a song, and this is no joke. The inspiration for the entire film comes from a 1968 country song of the same name performed by Jeannie C. Riley. Now, I'm sure I saw this on television at some point growing up, and it had a similar vibe to the movie 9 to 5, in the sense that you had a female lead getting revenge on those that did them wrong. And since I love 9 to 5, Harper Valley PTA was a no-brainer. Okay, let's get into the main cast. You have Barbara Eden, who plays Stella Johnson. Now, Eden will be forever known as the gorgeous genie in the 1960s TV sitcom I Dream of Genie, which lasted five seasons, though her career started in smaller roles on television and film in the 1950s. Ronnie Cox plays Will Newton. Now, I covered Cox's career in the Beverly Hills Cop episode where he played Lieutenant Bogomil. His most notable role prior to Harper Valley PTA was as Drew in Deliverance, playing the dueling banjo in the beginning of the film. Now, the director slash directors uh, is Richard C. Bennett and then Ralph Sineski, who was uncredited. Now, this is Bennett's first film that he directed as his career had been exclusively directing TV shows prior. His credits include episodes of The Waltons, Emergency, and those ABC after-school specials. Now, the reason Sineski is uncredited is that he left the production with only two weeks left to shoot the film. Bennett then took over, and I'll explain part of the reason Sineski left the film a bit later in the episode. Like Bennett, Sineski was mainly a television director, and he really had an impressive list of shows on his resume, like The Fugitive, The Wild Wild West, Mission Impossible, I Spy, Mannix, Ironside, the original Star Trek series, The Courtship of Eddie's Father, The Partridge Family, Barnaby Jones, and Eight is Enough. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with a song by Jeannie C. Riley that the entire movie is based on, and pretty much everything in the lyrics is the plot of the movie. Now, the studio version of this song is played over the town of Ohio where the film is based, which is Lebanon, Ohio, and it's the actual town where the film was shot. Secretary Harper Valley PTA 
was sure surprised when Mrs. Johnson wore her miniskirt into the room. And as she walked up to the blackboard, I can still recall the words she had to say. She said, I'd like to address this meeting of the Harper Valley PTA. Sure seems to use a lot of ice whenever he's away. And Mr. Baker, can you tell us why your secretary had to leave this town? And shouldn't Quitta Jones be told to keep her window shades off or we'll completely down? Shirley Thompson's breath, you'll find she's had a little nip of gin. And then you have the nerve to tell me you think that as a mother I'm not fit. Well, this is just a little Peyton place, and you're all Harper Valley hypocrites. No, I wouldn't put you on because it really did, it happened just this way. Socked it to the Harper Valley PTA. The day my mama socked it to the Harper Valley PTA. <laughs> the day my mama socked it to the Harper Valley PTA. So you would think that the song is told by Stella Johnson, the mom, but actually it's really written, quote-unquote, by her daughter, Dee. Now, the film begins with Stella, that's Barbara Eden, having a little midday party in the middle of the week <laughs> with a few of her local friends, including her best friend, Alice, played by Nanette Fabre. They're singing and drinking beer. Now, Stella is drop-dead gorgeous and is a widowed single mother. Her 14-year-old daughter, Dee, played by Susan Swift, comes home from school to hear the partying and isn't thrilled. (laughs) Well, honey, honey, I I thought you were going to stay in town and go to the library. You know Herbie and Verge. They send a lot of lying once in a while, but they're harmless. Okay. Okay, I'll join the church, and I'll only have the ladies over to sip tea. Honey, I am what I am. A few beers, a couple of songs, everyone can close the windows. Anyhow, I bet they're copying down the word. This is for you. So, who are the lords of Harper Valley buzzing about now? Why don't you read it? Gossip is the cheapest form of conversation. They've probably got some dirt on someone and they want to pass it along officially. It's about you. Me? You're not exactly the pillar of the community, you know. Well, I am still your mother, young lady, and don't you forget it. Sometimes I wish I could.
Hands over. Split. Out. Oh, Stella, we're just getting cooking. You two, goodbye. Oh, you stay. Okay? Next time, Stella. My place. Out. Out. Let's have it. The last time you looked like that was when Dee wasn't invited to the Otis Harper Day picnic. Damn, damn, damn. As bad as that, huh? Dear Miss Johnson, while it's not the business of this council to tell anyone how to live, too many incidents have come to our... Still, I don't believe this. The young men of our community should not be tempted by seeing skirts that are far too revealing. If drastic changes are not made, steps will be taken to see that D is expelled. Signed, Olive Glover, Secretary, Harper Valley, PTA. Decent attitude. Them biddies wouldn't know a decent attitude if it got into bed with them. Still? Oh, still, honey. Now, still, you, you're not going to let this junk get to you, are you? Oh, honey, come on. Still, come on. Now, they got so much dirty linen, it's just filling up their great big walk-in closets. Well, I ought to know. That that grand old bitch of the PTA, Miss Flora Simpson Riley, is just a walking, talking tape recording of every juicy bit of scandal in this whole lousy town. I mean, every time she comes into, into the La Modern shop, she just yak, yak, yaks to all of my hairdressers. I mean, well, you know me, honey. I'm just in one ear and out the other, Alice. But boy, she just goes on and on and on. Alice? What? Come here. Now, Stell. You sit down. Sam, Stell, I ain't gonna do it. Now, you start talking. And don't you leave out a single dirty detail. So because Alice owns her own hair salon, she hears all the local gossip, and Stella can use all of the dirt to her advantage to get back at the PTA, who are a bunch of hypocrites, as Stella will uncover. Stella and Dee go to the next PTA meeting, and Stella comes in guns ablazing with verbal ammunition. The head of the PTA is Flora Simpson Riley, played by Audrey Christie. This meeting will come to order. Uh, the first order of business is I'd like to address this meeting of the Hopper Valley PTA. Point of order. There are no motions from the floor called for at this time. All in favor, say aye. 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 Unanimous. The chair denies. Let her speak. Sure, still. What you got in your mind? I'd like to hear too. This is still an open forum for Harper Valley citizens, and everyone has the right to be heard. Willis Newton, may I remind you that you have no children in this school system? Quite true, ma'am. But then I am on the board of the PTA, and I am building the new gymnasium for the school.
You wrote me a letter that I'd like to reply to in public. You say I'm not fit to live in this fine American town. That I don't come up to your standards of whatever you consider decent. Well, I am here to call a few kettles black. <laughs> How you doing, Bobby Taylor? If I haven't turned you down seven times for lewd proposals, I haven't turned you down once. If I were you, Holly, I'd have taken this man in and had him neutered. Oh, and Holly, honey, you better lay off the booze, or Max Liquor Store is going to come and take your home for the booze bill. And Mr. Kirby Baker, a fine real estate executive. Baker Realty. Honesty. Honesty since 1938. Your secretary. Poor little Gladys Wilmot. She had to leave town awful sudden. Coolest. Had to see a special kind of doctor in Cincinnati. If you all know what I mean. And oh, I know the nights are just so warm that poor Willa May just has to leave her shades open an inch. A so... Just to catch the cool summer breezes. Of course. And don't a few of our more prominent citizens simply love to stroll by Willa May's house these summer evenings and peek through the shades just for the entertainment? Oh, did you stay too long at Kelly's bar again, Otis? Oh, yes. We mustn't forget our illustrious town founder's offspring, Otis Hopper, Jr. <laughs> That fine cornerstone of the community, drinking up all the leftovers at Kelly's Bar every night at closing time. Ooh, and I'll bet if you checked Shirley Thompson's breath, you'd find she just took a little nip of gin. <laughs> but, lest we forget, Miss Olive Glover, the grand secretary of this council. <laughs> Poor Olive. She keeps such good books. But she's got this teensy-weensy little gambling problem that everyone knows about, but no one would ever speak of in public, of course. I mean, no one would ever speak of any of these terrible lies in public. Would they, Mrs. Flora Simpson Riley? And I'm saving up something special for you. Oh, let's face it. This here is just a little patent place, and you're all a bunch of Hopper Valley hypocrites. <laughs> Now, everyone is dumbstruck by hearing the dirty laundry and aired publicly, though, as Stella mentioned, everyone already knows all this stuff, but never say it out loud. Dee is embarrassed, knowing that she will have to deal with the wrath of the kids at school. Only one person on the council wasn't called out, and that's Will Newton, played by Ronnie Cox, and he'll come into play a bit later. So even though Dee was outwardly embarrassed, she was really proud of her mom's actions as she writes in her diary later that evening. The next day when Dee comes home from school, she finds her house has been toilet paper. <laughs> the good old days where you could freely waste toilet paper for a prank pre-COVID. Will Newton comes by later with his construction crew to help clean up the mess, though he had nothing to do with it, but obviously he likes Stella. Word got around you had a little trouble here. Nothing we can't take care of ourselves, Mr. Newton. Mr. Newton? Sounds like my grandfather. 
Don't send me letters and then come around and try to clean up a mess you helped to create. Sure is hot. Yeah. It's going to get hotter. What kind of game are you playing, Mr. Newton? Well, if you call me Mr. Newton one more time, I'm going to have to go out and buy myself a cane. It's Will. And I've been out of town for over a month. And the guy who forged my name on that letter is in big trouble. Ma'am. Little ma'am. Things don't really die down after the toilet paper incident as a rock with a vulgar note is thrown through their kitchen window that night while Stella and Dee are eating dinner. The next day, Stella shows Alice the note, and Alice asks if Stella's going to move out of town since the note was from an adult and not a kid prank like the toilet paper. But Stella refuses to move. She, of course, is going to fight back. Alice agrees to be Stella's partner in crime, and a few of her friends, like Herbie, played by Ron Masak, he was in Murder, She Wrote as the sheriff, he's the bartender in the small town. Their first move is to spread the word that they will both be at Kelly's bar where Herbie works. Odds are that the goofy pervert Bobby Taylor, played by John Fiedler, will show up for another chance to hit on Stella. And of course, Bobby shows up. Well, look who's here. Beauty and the Beast. Why don't you go find a nice, quiet cave someplace and settle in for the winter? Hey, still. Long time no see, huh? Oh, hey, now that's original. Yeah. I really tried to defend you at the meeting. I mean, I asked them to let you talk, didn't I? You came down pretty hard on us. <laughs> My wife still has me sleeping in the rumpus room. <laughs> well, that's all right, Bobby. You got your guns to keep you company. You like guns still? Gee, I didn't know that. I got a pistol I took off a dead gook. Shot him right in the ear with it. <coughs> well, tell me all about it, Bobby. Death just fascinates me. It does. Jeez, still. <laughs> hey, well, would you excuse me? I have to go powder something before I get sick. Uh, Herbie, another for the lady, and ginger ale on the rocks for me. <laughs> hey, still. <laughs> so I loaded her up with old number 12 shot and let her fly. Got that turkey right in the gut. <laughs> Ate him anyway, buckshot and all. Oh, still. Boy, you're some kind of woman. You think so, Bobby? Mm hmm. Stella takes Bobby to a motel for what he thinks is finally his chance to sleep with Stella. She gets him to take off all of his clothes and asks him to put the Do Not Disturb sign on the door. While his back is turned, Stella literally kicks him out into the hall completely naked. Only his socks are still on and she locks him out. Stella then hilariously scoops up all of his clothes and escapes through her back window. She dumps all of his clothes in the trash and is picked up by Alice who is waiting for her. Old buck-naked Bobby decides to wrap himself with a motel fire hose and tries to sneak out. <laughs> he gets to the parking lot where his car is, but then is stopped by a police officer who asks, Hey buddy, where's the fire? <laughs> so, one down, many more to go for Stella. The next morning, she gets flowers delivered to her. The delivery boy is none other than a young Clint Howard, which is a great character actor and brother of Ron Howard. As he states to Stella, there are many in town that were quite happy with what she did by fighting back. 
and of course the dozen roses are from Will Newton. Stella is quite flattered by Will's gesture and support of her fighting back against the town, and he's also the most eligible bachelor. Stella goes to Alice's shop to tell her about the dozen roses, and while there, she hears about Flora Simpson Riley constantly calling about getting her hair done for a big fundraising party she's throwing. Now, Stella's mind is always looking for inventive ways to get even, and she tells Alice that instead of Flora's normal stylist, that Alice is going to do Flora's hair this time. In the solution used to set Flora's hair, they added some sort of chemical to it, and the outcome is that Flora's hair starts to fall out in clumps while she entertains her guests at this big fancy party. The first clump ends up in the punch bowl while she serves the guests. She doesn't think much of that, also, unbeknownst to Flora, Stella is in disguise as one of the servers working at the party. As Flora continues to mingle with her guests, every time she lowers her head, another clump ends up falling out, usually in their plate. Finally, during her big speech thanking everyone for attending, she discovers in horror that almost all of her hair has fallen out. In the meantime, at school, Dee has a crush on a boy named Carlisle, though he's sort of seeing one of the Riley twins. Back to Stella, her next victim is the redhead, Willa Mae Jones, the one who gets off having people quote-unquote spy on her as she always leaves her window open for the voyeurs in town to catch a glimpse of whomever she's laying that night. Stella asks Herbie if she can borrow his video camera to get some footage of Willa Mae in action with what turns out to be Barney the Mailman. Stella and Alice film the entire tryst. Ironically, it's Barney the Mailman that has to deliver the developed film stock to Stella. And she takes great delight in knowing what she has done to the unsuspecting Barney, who isn't the most friendly person in town. Willa May is supposed to be this prim and proper school teacher who frowns upon the antics of Stella simply because Stella is beautiful. Well, Alice and Stella decide to splice in the film of Willa May and Barney in one of her sex ed film reels that she's supposed to show to her class. And boy, do the students get the shock of a lifetime. <laughs> Good old reel to reel days. Dee is also in the class at the time. It's funny. Willem May's teaching style sounds like Sister Mary Elephant from the Cheech and Chong skits. You know, the class? I knew class. 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 No. Class. 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 Thank you. Now, today we are going to show a special film dealing with sex education. Class. Now, as future wives and mothers, we must stress the important functions of the human body and the real purpose they serve. <laughs> Edwina, Bettina, dears, would you pull down the shades? Yes, Mrs. Jones. Good girl. All right, let's see the film. If any of you think that sex is a laughing matter, wait until you get married. This film deals only with the basic structure and function of the human reproductive process. An understanding of this process is important for all and begins with the simple, clear knowledge that birth is the result of a physical union of the father and the mother who contribute equally to the conception and resulting birth of their child. It is the reproductive system of each that we are now going to consider. 
reproductive systems that are developed to an almost unbelievable degree of complexity and perfection. Oh, he's so small. My little brother is more than that. <laughs> girls, girls. Now, we're going to have a test on this material later. I suggest you watch this film very closely. To understand how this can lead to the birth of a baby, let us turn our attention to the woman's reproductive system. On the surface of a woman's genital organs are folds of skin or tissue called labia. As we can see in this schematic view, the labia protect the opening of the urethra through which urine from the bladder is emptied. Bring back the boys. And it also shields the entrance to the vagina. At the upper end of the vagina is the cervix, which is Latin for neck. Neck of the uterus. The uterus is a pear-shaped hollow Who organ, frequently called Jones? the womb. I think so. It is, Mrs. It is Jones. Jones. My God! Willa May was too busy dozing off to notice uh, the film of her and Barney romping around while the regular sex ed film narration was looped in. Also lost in the audio clip, the entire class was female, while a large group of boys were peeking in the outside windows to get a glimpse of the film. In the meantime, things continue to get better for Stella as she's receiving flowers from Will Newton daily, and they have a fun date at an amusement park. On this particular date, Will comes up with a genius plan that will surely rock the town of Harbor Valley. Will. Not a thing, Stella. Just to keep seeing you as long as you're not too busy. Too busy? Well, I do have a rather busy social calendar. What with my merry round of cocktail parties and the uh, the cotillion ball coming up. I'm so busy, you know. Oh. <laughs> uh, how do you survive this town? I work. Oh, I keep busy. I make a living. Sell cosmetics from door to door. I guess you, uh, I guess you could say I, I sell a little bit of happiness in a jar. <laughs> well, you ought to run for political office. <laughs> and you know, that's not a bad idea. And you could start with the PTA. Oh, come on. No, no, no. Get rid of that awful potato head Flora Simpson Riley and her, her snobby friends. What, between them, they haven't done anything for that school in 10 years. Why, on the new gymnasium, I had to fight them tooth and nail until I agreed to pay for the repairs out of my own pocket. All they ever do is give parties and barbecues and backyard socials to raise money, most of which comes out of the treasury to pay for the parties to raise more money. You mean 
mean to say that my contributions go into that cheap champagne that Mrs. Riley serves at her fancy guzzling party? Absolutely. Uh, now, I think the kids could get behind your kind of programs. Oh, what programs? I don't have programs. Well, maybe not, but you would never cheat them out of what's theirs and not their parents. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's too much to think about right now. Hold <laughs> on a minute, heavens. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Stella? Oh. <laughs> After Stella's date with Will, she has another caper planned with Alice. But they also get an additional member to the gang as Dee wants to be part of the fun. This prank is a doozy as they end up renting a moving truck and steal a few elephants from the circus that is in town. They end up painting the elephants pink and place them in the yard of the old town drunk Otis Harbor played by Pat Paulson, whose family founded the town. When Otis arrives home drunk as usual, he passes out in his bed, only to be woken up by a giant pink elephant crashing through his room. Of course, he thinks he's hallucinating until his wife witnesses the elephants destroying the house. Now, it was this elephant scene that caused the original director, Ralph Sineski, to leave the film. He believed that shooting the elephants on Halloween night was a terrible idea that the animals would be spooked by the various decorations and costumes. And Sineski was right, and the actress Nanette Fabre, who played Alice, ended up getting knocked over by one of the elephants and suffered a severe concussion and back injuries, and production was delayed a month while she recovered. We go back to the movie, and things are looking up for Dee as she gets her braces off that weekend and her hair done at Alice's. And just like that, the supposed ugly duckling magically gets looks from all the boys at schools, including her crush Carlisle. Will also finally convinces Stella to run for PTA president to unseat Flora and really change the town dynamic. Word spreads quickly throughout the town when Stella fills out her application. And because of this, the sleazy board members decide it's time to meet. I've called this meeting because this woman must be stopped at all costs. That's a good idea. Now, I'm declaring for a petition to be signed by every upstanding citizen of Harper Valley. That's a good idea. Imagine that tart thinking she could be PTA president. Why, it's unthinkable. I could strangle that Will Newton. I mean, who does he think he is anyway? Just because he's so damn good looking. Good looking? He's gorgeous. <laughs> Where's Skeeter Dugan? He sent word he won't be able to attend the meeting. Oh, that's too bad. Sure could have used his notary stamp right now. What's up, Curb? You got a plan? Well, up to now, there was no reason to, uh, to tell you about this. But old Harry Johnson and I had this deal on his house, and Kirby Realty holds this little old second mortgage that's been foreclosable for years now. <laughs> Kirby Baker, you mean you had the means to run this woman out of town and you never spoke up? There was no need to, Flora. Didn't think about it till just now. Had it tucked away in my files years before Harry died. Well, go and get it, man. Don't just sit there. Estella? Yeah? How goes the battle? Why do I get into these things? Oh, now, honey, you're going to be great. I can just see it. Stella! Destined for bigger and better things. <laughs> Here, I brought you your mail. Thank you. You know, talk down at the beauty shop running seven to four in your favor. Seems an awful lot of folks are getting real sick of old floor of the mouth, Riley. Why, that lousy, no good son of a... $1,800. Now, how am I going to get $1,800? I'm going to lose this house. 
Did Harry really do this? I don't know. I don't know. He bought an awful lot of new equipment when he was talking about going into his business. Oh, Harry. He told me his aunt in Springfield lent him the money. Boy, and you mean Kirby never said one word about this. Well, he owns the house, legally. It's gone up in value. Why should he say anything? He'd have lost a bundle. You know, what you gonna do? You gonna go dig up old Gladys Wilmot? Well, she's, uh, she's gone off to Toledo or someplace. I... You know, that's not bad. Hmm? That's not bad at all. And I know just the person to get old Kirby down on the waterbed and out for the count. <laughs> Dave, let me do you a favor. You just take your cards, this pencil, this book. Get to work, honey. Call you later. You do where you're going. Well, I'm off to get me something Chinese. And I don't mean chop suey. All right, what does Stella have up her sleeve to save her house? And does she have a chance to win the election as PTA president? Well, it's all answered in the raucous and very fun final 30 minutes. Barbara Eden was just perfect in this role, and it's a playful type of revenge story that is always fun to watch and bears repeat viewings. And while the premise of creating an entire film around a country song kind of seems ridiculous, the filmmakers, I think, actually pulled it off really well. All right, here's a fun fact. Woody Harrelson is actually an extra on the film, but I actually never saw a shot of him when I was re-watching. So maybe next time you watch, if you do check it out, look out for Woody Harrelson. I know I will. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.